Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We are in the midst of our Life Together, Life Apart series um, in preparation for Pentecost Sunday, which will be happening next week. Um, and Pentecost, as some of you might be familiar with, like occurred shortly after Jesus died and then uh, rose again and then ascended into heaven. And the disciples, they were praying for the promised Holy Spirit, um, and then all of a sudden, boom, God gives them the Holy Spirit. They are full of, of joy and of, of God's power, right? And it started this new movement um, of, of people which would eventually become the church. And as such, we've been discussing important aspects of what it means to be the church for us today. Um, and today, we are covering the topic of forgiveness and confession of sin. In fact, I would go so far as to say that uh, confession and forgiveness of sin is not just a good idea, right, but, but really necessary for us to do uh, community well and to have healthy fellowship with each other and with God. In our passage today in 1 John, John addresses a community of believers who were going through difficult times, and as such, their community had splintered. And knowing that they were in need of clear direction, right, John writes this letter to them, and the first thing that he mentions in this letter is on this topic of confession of sin. So this is where we find ourselves today. And with that, if you're able, please rise with me for the reading of our passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. You may be seated. Recently, uh, my wife and I, we watched a Marvel superhero movie, uh, which uh, focused on the, con the, on the multiverse. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the multiverse, it's essentially a bunch of parallel universes that are all next to each other, with, uh, that have all the same characters in them, but details about each universe is different. Uh, the multiverse has gotten so popular that uh, in addition to whole movies about them, 
We also have, Disney Plus has released several TV shows on, on this t idea of the multiverse, one of which is this show called What If. Um, instead of the normal events of the Marvel superhero movies, uh, the TV show focuses on like alternate realities with questions like, what if, what if someone else became Captain America rather than Steve Rogers? Or what if the main villain won, what would have happened? Each episode explores the timeline and subsequent events that might have happened and how everything might have changed. This is like really fun for nerds like me because I love getting into this stuff. Um, but the, the what if question right, is not just limited to Marvel. Uh, oftentimes I find myself asking, like, what if, what if I had done that differently? Right? How would that have changed everything? Or what if Michael Jordan's Bulls played against a Kobe and Shaq-led Lakers? Right? Who would have won? Uh, that would have, we'd finally be able to put that to rest. Um, or like, what if I had invested in cryptocurrency like five years ago? Right? Uh, it's, it's a fun question, right? but not an entirely new phenomenon. In, in our passage of 1 John, we see that there are many what-if statements. He says, uh, if we walk in darkness, we are liars, we do not live out the truth. Like, if we walk in the light, if we claim to be without sin, if we confess our sins, if we claim that we have not sinned, if anyone sins, right? There are six what-if statements in this short amount of verses. And unlike the what-ifs for basketball or investments or superheroes, these what-ifs aren't, aren't just for fun, they're not just hypotheticals, right? They have an eternal significance, and John lays it out in no uncertain terms what will happen in each circumstance. So it's important that we take what he has to say to heart. In the beginning of our passage, John highlights the contrast between light and darkness. And I don't know about, I don't know about you guys, but when, when I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark. So much so that like, I had to sleep with a nightlight on for years. Uh, my brother was so annoyed by that. Um, and even to this day, right, the dark can be a little unsettling. It's, it's much nicer to be able to see where you're going than having to fumble around in the dark, stub your toe. Like, it, it, that's, that's lame, right? And then it's, <laughs> when I get up in the middle of the night, it's much nicer to be able to, to see where I'm aiming when I go to the bathroom, right? I, I, it's just, I've learned now just to sit down because I used to be scared of monsters, and, and I became more afraid of people who were, who didn't like it that the bathroom wasn't clean, right? So just, just, I just learned not to invoke that wrath. Um, jokes aside, like, I know that there's some real truth to the idea that it's not. It's not great to walk in darkness, right? Just as in Genesis chapter 1-1, like, we see that God's first recorded act in the Bible is that he separates the light from the dark. Um, John, in a way, he parallels this, this Genesis passage with a clear example of the contrast between light and dark at the beginning of his book, only that this is how reveling in our sin and living in Christ are completely opposite and opposed to one another. This is the reason why John puts this at the front of his book as he writes to a struggling congregation. We cannot be the people of God that God has called us to be if we are living in darkness. We have no hope of connecting with God or with each other in a meaningful 
self-sustaining way if our sin is running rampant. So if walking in darkness, right, walking in darkness equals bad, right, walking in the light equals good, what, what then does it mean to walk in the light? And how, how do we even know how we're doing in terms of, how we're, in terms of assessing how we're doing in walking in the light? Uh, I was thinking about this question, right? Like, am I, how, am I doing good? Like, I don't know. Like, and I was, I was thinking, like, if I had to give an answer, if someone asked me, like, a week ago, and I gave an answer, I would probably say something to the effect of, of yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm trying. Like, I'm, I'm walking in the light, but there's definitely some shadows coming. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not perfect, right? I still sin, right? That's, that's what I was thinking. And some of you might resonate with that. Um, but I want to push back on my my previous way of thinking just a little bit. You see, in the passage, John doesn't talk about a semi-dark, semi-light way, right? He just talks about dark and just light. And so, like, how can this be, right? I, I think uh, when I was thinking about it, it was because I was thinking that, that in order to walk in the light, right, we, need, we, need, we think that walking in the light means to be holy and godly and, and not sinning which are good things and probably part of walking in the light. But in this context, I think specifically, walking in the light doesn't really mean those things as much as it means confessing our sins. And I, I think that because in Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 13, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. When I was, another story, when I was younger, um, something that I would do often is, uh, in, when I was at home by myself, is I'd, I'd be in my underwear and I'd flex in front of the mirror. Um, I don't do that now because I have nothing to show for it, right? But in the privacy of my own home, when there, no one was around, it was fine. Right? You have to make sure all the windows are closed. You have to make sure that, that no one's home because you don't want anyone like, busting in on you. But, uh, like, because that would be embarrassing, right? Like, even, even if I was clothed, like, even today, like, if I, it'd be, I'd certainly be ashamed if someone saw me checking myself out in the mirror, like, oh, like, hi, like, you know, that'd be embarrassing, right? When we keep our sin a secret, it's bad. But we can justify it in our minds because no one knows or is keeping us accountable. And oftentimes our behavior won't change. When we bring something into the light, it's scary, because it's pretty much like everyone gets to see you in your underwear in the sense that you are incredibly and vulnerable and exposed. But this is God's command, right, to expose our sin, to confess. And when we do, we walk in the light. Once we've confessed our sin, the hidden shame no longer has power over us because we've put it out there, and like it says at the end of verse 13, like everything is illuminated, that is illuminated, becomes light. What was once darkness actually becomes light. The things that held us down, like our secret sins, our addictions, our wrongdoings, 
Like in this new context, there are no more horror stories, but rather praise stories of how God is setting us free and giving us victory in him. We get to see our shameful circumstances now illuminated in God's light and realize that in the darkness, our sins were scary, but now in the light, they they ain't so scary anymore. God takes what the enemy intended for evil, and he uses it for good. This is the idea of confessing our sin and sharing our stories of God's work in our lives. And this is what is known as our testimony. It is essentially a story of our lives and God's testament and goodness and faithfulness to us. A significant part of my testimony is tied to this idea of of confession and learning to walk in the light. You might not have known it, but when I, because uh, I try to be very outgoing at church, but um, I was an incredibly shy, incredibly awkward uh, kid, especially around my middle school years. Um, this is just par- in part because middle school is hard, right? Growing up is hard. Um, but it is also in part because I, at a young age, I had been exposed and struggled with like pornography. For a solid season of my life, like I struggled with the sin in secret uh, without telling anyone, much to my own shame. And it distorted the way that I saw people. Right? It distorted my, distorted my relationships. It was one of the thing, only things I could think about when I got home from school. And it was really hard for me. It was only until right, my youth pastor uh, at the time gave me the space to talk about it and confess my sin that I started to see some breakthrough. It was incredibly scary, like, but also very freeing to confess. And God did a mighty work in my life that day, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Shortly after I confessed, like I, I had a, God gave me a conviction to read the Bible daily and to be in his word. And he gave me a conviction to share about him with my friends who didn't know him. And slowly but surely, uh, I started to see some of the freedom that Christ had for me to be the person who he designed me to be, which was my joyful, outgoing self, rather than my shy, I'm not going to talk to anyone self. It still took a while. Like, I was still awkward. Um, I remember my attempts to talk about Jesus to people would be like, if my friend was Buddhist, he, he, he... I would just be like, Buddha's not real, he sucks, right? Like, that's like the worst evangelism tactic ever, right? Um, <laughs> but by God's grace, somehow, right? Some, somehow, um, at the end of that school year, uh, two of my non-Christian friends, like, they, they told me, like, that they, they saw God's light working in me, which was crazy to me because, like, they, you know, they didn't even... Like, I thought they didn't even believe in God, right? So for them to say that, that was evidence of God's, like, of my faith, of God's work actually coming in my life. And so to me, this was a major turning point, major turning season, I guess, of of setting me on a trajectory towards freedom in God rather than bondage to sin, right? It's a testament of God's goodness and faithfulness to me. And I share that story because I think confession is really, really good for us and really important part of what it means to be Christian. It's a way for us to acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves, no matter how good or how much we try. We cannot cancel out our wrongdoings. We need Jesus to step in. 
It's not about being more godly, per se, or more holy, right? But rather confessing our sin and letting God heal our brokenness. This is what it means to walk in the light. Confession amongst believers is helpful because it allows us to see each other in our most vulnerable, twisted, cringeworthy, flexing-in-your-underwear selves, right? And, and to say, this is, this is me. This is me. I am, I am broken, I am sinful, and I am not all put together like I try to make myself seem. And after we put ourselves out there with all the fear that people won't like us once they see the real us, only to be told, like, hey, I also struggle with that. Thank you for sharing. I, now I know that I'm not alone. Or, hey, like, I love you, and God loves you, and God forgives you. That is powerful, right? To still be loved when people see the worst of us, right? That is what it means to walk in the light together as a community. Now, this doesn't mean that we should confess our deepest, darkest parts of our lives just to anyone and everyone. Right? There's a song by Usher um, where he says, like, these are my confessions. And then he like, starts rapping about all the things he's done, and people are like, dang, that's crazy, dude. Like, I can't believe you did that. Right? Like, that's not what we're called to do as Christians. I realize there's like, a small subset of our church that might have heard that song. But anyway, um, we need to steward our vulnerability and, and share with people that we know can handle seeing us at our worst and who will walk with us in grace and truth and love, and who will always point us back to Christ. The challenge for us is, as God's people is to be the kind of people who will be aggressive about exposing our sin and yet also be sent, like, sensitively and lovingly walk with others in mutual confession and accountability. If you're still not convinced about the importance of confession, John double downs in his passage on, the importance, on, on its importance in verses 8 through 10 when he says, if we claim to be, out, be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. Some people, like they might not like the word sin, right? but most people, if they're honest, would admit that they fall short and have some wrongdoing, right? Otherwise, John says, you, you deceive yourself if you think that you're perfect, right? So John's very direct to these sin deniers, but um, I think he's also trying to reach a broader audience here, namely those who don't regularly confess their sins to God and each other. And here's my reasoning for that. Um, if confession is proclaiming that we have sinned and need Christ's forgiveness— then failure to practice confession could mean that we are, through our inaction, effectively claiming to be without sin. Put another way, um, most of us are intellectually aware of our sin, but our actions speak louder than words, and give, our actions give us a much clearer picture of what we actually believe. If we do not confess our sins, we are essentially acting like we do not have any, or that our sins aren't that big of a deal, both of which are bad. The reason why this is such an important community issue beyond the reasons we've already discussed is because the way we deal with our sin reflects the way that people see Christ. There have unfortunately been uh, quite a few famous churches and church leaders whose ministries I've been very blessed from, 
right? And that, leaders that I've looked up to and that are famous, right? That I love their music. Um, and unfortunately, like they, they've fallen into egregious sin, right? And it, it, when the truth of the matter co- finally comes out, not because they confess, but usually because someone exposed them, right? Or they, like, they can't cover it up anymore. Like, it, it does irreparable harm. Not just for the people who are in the church or who are affected by the sin, um, not just for me who likes this person's work, but also for how people view Christ and how people view Christians. If we don't confess our sin to God and to each other, then we don't, if we don't speak the truth and walk in love with each other, then we run the same risks of wreaking havoc in our lives, churches, and communities. We need to confess our sin to each other and to God. Thankfully, we can take comfort in verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you look at these verses um, on the screen, they, you can see that uh, verse 8 right, says, if we claim to be without sin. In verse 10, it says, if we claim that we have not sinned. These are super like, similar verses. And something that I learned in, our, in our, the Compass group, which is our um, young adult group, right, is that um, this is a literary device known as a, a chiasm. Right? If there are two similar verses, like, uh, then you really want to pay attention to what's in the middle. Right? And so this is like the modern-day equivalent of highlighting or bolding um, something. And so John really wants us to have emphasis on verse 9, which, uh, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin. Verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned. Verse 9, if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us. It is all about Jesus, right? It's all about if we confess our sins, he will be with us. He will forgive us. Again, this isn't to say that we should sin as much as we like so long as we confess. Part of walking in the light is living like Christ, which means we don't get a free pass to sin. Uh, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says specifically that he's writing to this church so that they will not sin. But thankfully, he also follows it up with our final if statement, which is uh, if anyone sins, which if we're being honest could read more like when anyone sins because it's going to happen, right? So when anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, who is righteous and the atoning sacrifice for our sins and also the whole world. At the end of the day, it always comes back to Jesus and who he is. John says at the beginning of his book that this is the word which they had heard from the beginning. When Jesus, and when Jesus walked the earth, right, he proclaimed that, that he is the light of the world. And now that we as believers have the Holy Spirit, we can share in that role in being, shining Christ's light to the world. Jesus died and rose again so that the disciples might no longer be dead in their sins, but rather alive in Christ and give birth to a new movement, which was eventually known as the church. And in this church, in this community of believers, this is where we find our freedom from sin through Christ. And in this community is when we confess our sins to God and each other. And in this community is when we walk in the light together so that we might shine Christ's light to the world. May we continue to do so by his grace, through his power, and for his glory. Let's pray. 
God, as, as the worship team and the prayer counselors come up, Lord, I just pray that if you're stirring anything in our hearts, Lord, um, if there's any unconfessed sin that you're bringing to our, our minds, if there's, any, uh, if, if, if there's any desire to be the kind of person to receive uh, other people well and to listen to them and to walk with them in the light. God, I pray, Lord, that you, you would continue to lead us Lord, towards yourself. God, I pray that we might recognize how important it is to walk in the light so that you, we might shine all the more brightly for you, God, so that we might not live in the fear of darkness anymore or in the bondage of sin anymore. God, I pray for true freedom in you. Please be with us. Please encourage us, and please watch over us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.